folding pocket. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. Sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends April 30th. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. You know, it's hard to believe that inflation is still a thing, but boy, it sure is. And that's exactly why Mint Mobile still gives you premium wireless for just $15 a month. Well, it's also because we have that offer printed on, like, a million t-shirts, but it's mostly the inflation thing. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Betty. Hello. Christian. Hello. Hello. This is your team principal calling you on Sunday morning ahead of episode two going out. Sorry to disturb you. Not a problem at all. I'm in the gym. Oh, in the gym showing off. What are you doing, Betty? I'm about to go on a run, Greg, because we're just such active individuals. (laughs) (laughs) What have you made of the reaction to episode one then? I actually can't believe it. We've had so many amazing comments and everyone just seems to like be buying into what we're doing, which is just amazing. People have been suggesting which burgers to get Logan Sargent. I actually think by the end of the season, there will be a burger place that will maybe even make a Sargent burger for us. Can you imagine? So, So just a quick bit then on where we are at the moment, because we've done episode one. That's gone nicely. We'll get on to episode two in a second. So we're a week away from the Bahrain Grand Prix, the season opener. Christian, can you give us a little rundown of what's happened in the preparation to Bahrain? Give us 20 seconds of what we need to know. We've had pre-season testing. Red Bull look really, really strong. Question marks as to exactly how quick Ferrari and Mercedes are. A bit too early to tell. Aston Martin look good. McLaren are struggling. But it's pre-season testing. All could change still. We'll have another episode before that race happens. You're about to hear episode two, which is focused around the Mercedes team. It involves Toto Wolff, it involves George Russell, and it involves Sir Lewis Hamilton. And you and Christian at the start of this episode, Betty, is absolutely phenomenal. I, as, as team principal, I could not be happier. When I listened to this episode, I thought, this is flipping great. <laughs> Well, that's why we're training hard to not let you down, Gaffer. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. Have a good one. Episode one is up for you to listen to now with Logan Sargent. But for now, enjoy episode two. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creator Network. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Fast and the Curious. This is episode two. It's just Betty and Christian. We're having to talk quite quietly, aren't we? Because we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in an industrial estate near Silverstone and apparently Lewis Hamilton is in the building, Lewis guys. Lewis Hamilton We've is here, been told that. Sir Lewis Hamilton. And why are we here, Christian? Well, we are, before almost anyone in the world, stood looking at Mercedes 2023 Formula One challenger and I cannot put into words my excitement. Now, when you're listening to this, most people in the world will have seen this car, but it is, what time is it? It is 7.54 in the morning, hence no Greg James. He'll be here later. Very early. About an hour before the car is shown to the world. So we are seeing it before almost anyone else. Doesn't it look like something out of London Fashion Week? Yes. Like it's giving that kind of vibe. Right, so take your London Fashion Week stage, but then behind it, there is a carefully arranged crates uh, almost, aren't almost they? Almost like big shelves. With Mercedes side pods from yesteryear, Mercedes front wings, one with 44 Lewis's number, one with 63 George's number, Pirelli tyres, engine bits, front wing bits, and the car in front of it. What are your initial thoughts about the car? 
It's Other than the fact that it is beautiful. It is so beautiful. It is black again. Mercedes have gone back to black this year, which I'm imagining is because uh, the guys are trying to get weight limits down so there's lots more carbon. Lovely Adam from Mercedes has given me a thumbs up, which makes me think I know what I'm talking about, which is good. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, a part of that is weight saving because the teams are operating so close to the weight limit this year. This has got very geeky, hasn't it? <laughs> what do you expect of me? Look where I am. It is the best place in the world. And there are people polishing her and uh, her. her. Well, she's beautiful. That kind of gives me the ick when people describe like a car as a, as a gender. You've just gendered the car, Christian. Sebastian Vettel always used to call his cars female. Of course he and did. And then give them a name. I think Luscious Liz was one. So therefore, I've, oh. always, <laughs> I've always therefore seen F1 cars as female. Have you named your own car? I haven't got a car. You've got a car. <laughs> Thanks, Betty. <sighs> Reminded me of that. Uh, I haven't named my Skoda. You mention your Skoda every episode of this bloody podcast. Yeah, because I feel like I can two. relate. Do you know what I mean? So Formula One drivers have arrived. Uh, George Russell, Mick Schumacher, Sir Lewis Hamilton. And all of a sudden, as if by magic, it's got a lot busier. There are a lot of people here crowding around the stage. My dad's just texted. What has Chris said? Make sure you wish George a happy birthday. Should we tell Greg to get him a caterpillar cake? Yes, let's tell him to pick it up. Okay, right, everyone's got to be quiet now because it looks like it's going to start. It's happening. Nobody panic, it's happening. I don't think anyone is panicking, Christian, apart from you. I definitely am panicking. Okay, it's done. The car is out there to everybody around the world. You can breathe now. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts? That was just unbelievable to be like the only people with a microphone in the world other than the Mercedes team sat here looking at that. What a phenomenal experience. The opportunity to watch these guys close up, like the way... Lewis, when uh, one of the screens had a close-up on the car, was crouched down looking at every little detail. And people talk about how much desire does Lewis Hamilton still have for Formula One. It oozes off him when you watch him in person. He's absorbing every tiny little part of it. The way George and Mick were on their knees looking at it. Because let's not forget, this is the first time that these guys get to have a a proper look at it as it's wheeled off the factory floor it's it's amazing to see yeah we couldn't quite believe it could we how intently lewis was looking at this yeah. the screen that was showing the car in kind of zoomed in detail he was there for ages inspecting it and it's lovely little things like the way toto wolf is the big boss of this whole massive operation walks around and shakes the hand of almost everyone, says hello to everyone, checks how they're doing, the way Lewis and George threw themselves into meeting the uh, engineering apprentices that were surrounding the car, the future of this company. It is such an impressive operation. And as we speak now on the little debrief, George chatting away to the team, you know, it's such a massive moment for everyone here because for the drivers... It's the first opportunity to see it in all its glory. And this is the machine that will shape the next nine, ten months of their lives. It is essential to everything they do. And let's just talk about kind of one of the key things I think we heard is about the bouncing. That was kind of put to Toto Wolf, wasn't it? What did he say? Well, one of the main reasons that Mercedes weren't able to fight for the World Championship last year was, to put it simply, the car bounced too much. It didn't stick to the track well enough. It wasn't smooth enough on some of the straights. It was costing the car time because it was quite literally bouncing as it was going along the straights. Poor poising is the uh, fancy F1 term for it. And I reckon that when the drivers get to do the very small number of laps that they'll get to do later on this afternoon... That is one of the first things they'll be looking for. They'll be hoping for a smoother ride. If it feels smoother than last year, if there's no bouncing, that is a big step towards Mercedes being able to be right back in the thick of the world title fight again this year. So that's massive for this team. We have been in this kind of, what would you just warehouse, I guess, for yeah. what feels like quite a long time now. We were here so early in the morning, we're here weren't we? First thing. Can't even remember what light looks like. Should like we the go and find out? outside light. Let's go and find <laughs> out. <laughs> 
London, we found the sunshine. It is glorious. We've got blue skies. We've got the sun. I've left my sunglasses in my bloody bag, though. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, so episode two of the podcast, and once again, like episode one, we've got glorious sunshine. It's a bit windy, but we are once again at one of my favourite places in the world. Well, let's get into that then. We're, we're at a different part of Silverstone to where we were on episode one, aren't we? This is the old school bit. Yeah, episode one was the shiny, glitzy, new, recently built international paddock. Episode two, we're here at the national paddock, which is the sort of old school garages where the teams are. And uh, we've got a view of the circuit. We've got all the sort of older grandstands in the corner. And do you know why this is brilliant, Betty? Because it Tell feels me. like proper motorsport. The garages are a little bit rough and ready. Proper sort of metal gates rather than big shiny glass. It, like Everybody says it. It is such a special place. It's not just us Brits that love Silverstone. All the drivers love coming here. I'm just buzzing. I'm always in my element when I'm here. Let's talk about why you're so excited to be here and why you love Silverstone so much. Because we've said many a time that you're a massive F1 fan. Tell us why. I can remember my dad watching it on the telly and sort of ordering me to turn off kids' TV programmes so he could put the F1 on. And I went from being like, oh, dad's going to watch the boring cars, to being like, dad, when are you putting the cars on? And dad, why have the cars stopped? Oh, because it's the end of the season. When are they back? March. And all of a sudden you're hooked. You know how much anyone who loves sport loves your home football stadium. I'm a big Leicester City fan. I love the King Power Stadium. But here, Silverstone, oh, I adore it's home it. home for you. No, it is. It, it, it just feels like a second home. You feel like you're at home all the we can just see wellington over in the corner all the little bits of memories where i can remember walking past as a kid it's honestly it's a little bit magical that i've got hairs on the back of my neck standing up talking about my love for this place it's not faked for the podcast i love it here. and you're such an enthusiastic person anyway at I the am. best of times but when you talk about f1 you literally light up it is so nice to see and you're going to be like giving me this enthusiasm because i'm more of a casual f1 fan oh, by the time i finish it. with you you'll be hooked and you producer jimmy giggling in the corner <laughs> everyone will love it so shall we go and see some formula one drivers this is quite exciting, isn't it, Christian? We're basically walking into the Mercedes area where George Russell is about to have a go in the car for the first ever time. And we said, let's go and find some F1 drivers. We stood about four steps from one, sat in a Formula One car, and this is the moment George Russell is hearing his Mercedes for the first time in 2023. What a moment this is. This is the first time George Russell hears the car that is going to be his second home, maybe even his first home, for the next nine months. Christian, the most incredible thing here is that you've got Lewis Hamilton crouched down at the side watching all of this happening very intently. Lewis watching every second, filming it on his phone as well. This is incredible. And, and the amount of engineers, mechanics, all stood around the car as well. is just amazing to see. Everybody from the team gathered around to watch this moment. And there it goes. This is it. The Mercedes 2023 Challenger is out the garage for the wow. first ever time. And now everyone's just kind of scurrying around. It's like everyone was just paused for such a long time, waiting for that to happen. It was like time just stopped. That's it. it. Was 2023 so weird. started. We're away. Okay, so we've walked out the back of the Mercedes garage where we just were. We are now uh, behind one of their massive, great big motorhome things because we're told that any moment they are going to bring Sir Lewis Hamilton over to us for a little bit of a chat. They're telling, him, they're telling him what we are. Yeah. Lewis, hello. Thanks so much for joining us yeah, outside the garages. Yeah, how are you guys feeling? We're very excited, but I'm imagining not quite as excited as you today. It's, it's an, always an exciting time because you see how busy it is. You see how many people there are, but back in the factory, it's like 100 times this. <laughs> and everyone's been working so hard. Everyone's been you know, working at their computer, at their desks. Uh, working on virtual pieces, you know, for the car, basically. And then all of a sudden, yes, this, this past week, they've come out and, and you get to um, look down on the area where they're building the car. And it must be so exciting and rewarding for them. 
for me, just it's, uh, it's a really proud moment. And then I'm, there's an, I'm one of two people that get to drive it. I know. So How it's cool like, is that? It's literally, the only thing you can compare it to is like NASA. Getting to go to space? Yeah, like the only a couple of people get to go in this shuttle that <laughs> thousands of people work on to build, right? That is so And so true. it's so unique. But what's lovely is that, Lewis, you've been around F1 a long time and you've not lost any of that enthusiasm, any of that, this is really cool, right? Because right, it is the coolest. It's the <laughs> coolest it is, sport in the world. And it is the most complex sport I think there, 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 there is. Just There's so much stuff that you guys don't even know that goes on in the background. And when you look at the car, you see a car running, but there's, if you knew all the details of the things, which I'm really fortunate to uh, sit with engineers and them take us through, and I'm like, oh my God, no one would ever know that tiny little air bit is worth performance, you know? So, um, yeah, and I've just, I've always been passionate about cars, so I don't think that's ever gonna leave me. That's why you're good at what you do. Um, how was it today looking at the car then? Well, this, today's the first time I've seen it as a whole. Yeah. I saw the rendering and saw the bits coming together in these past days. You're excited, but then you're nervous. You're excited and you're like, God, how is it gonna behave? It looks good, but has it achieved, have we achieved everything we've tried to fix from last year for example like will it bounce that's like a that's the big question oh god because <laughs> i was just question so many times yeah today. i was driving the old car in in spain just like last week and it was bouncing like crazy <laughs> and i'm like damn i hope the new car doesn't do yeah. that i'm gonna miss this yeah so definitely not gonna miss the last car we no. we were watching you and like you really kind of like in such detail just like analyze the car and everything like you're stroking it and we sound like weirdos that we were just sat there what is Lewis doing I feel my job I mean my job my job really is to understand every element of the car to the best of my ability obviously I'm there are things on the car that I I'm not an engineer to the level of these guys but ultimately I have to study the car and know absolutely every function of what is it is the, of the tool that I have so when I get to the test I can sit with Bono and say this is this is the this part of the suspension is what we need to change or whatever it may be so I can help the team navigate. So when I'm sitting there, I'm just, I'm looking at all the changes and, and there's things that you always miss. And then I pull aside one of the engineers, for example, that was responsible for that area. And I'll be like, hey, so what, take me through this. Why did you do that? And why didn't you do that? And, oh, that's great. You've got some air in the background. Yeah, <laughs> great. I want to talk to you about your winter because obviously it's important to switch off. And following you on social media, looks like you had a lot of fun this winter. There were penguins involved. There was <laughs> snow. You looked like you had a lovely time. I did, yeah. Um, well, firstly, feel very, very fortunate, actually, to be able to have that time off. And so part of it was a bit of time with my family. Then I went um, on an, an expedition in Antarctica, which was just... I'd been dreaming of going to Antarctica for the past year. And I'd lo been looking and reading brochures and looking in, in, in depth at how I could get there. And, and then I just happened to be talking to a friend and they're like, hey, we're going for New Year's, do you want to come? And I was like, how odd is that? Because you wouldn't I normally see. ever, it's never been brought up ever before. So I enjoyed that and that we did heli skiing and saw whales, we saw penguins, as you mentioned. So, but then I was surfing in Hawaii and then I was training in LA and um, I like moving around as well, you know, and I'm, oh, we I can can't be anywhere for more than a few days normally so when you're doing that because your role in this whole operation quite important isn't it has your boss mr toto wolf being like please be careful are you getting texts from him being like i'm seeing you on instagram skiing and surfing just like you get from a mum on a school trip being like yes but please be careful because i want you back in one piece is toto being like a protective dad or is he letting you get on with it no i think there's a trust that we have they know and i know that i don't ever want to be seeing someone else driving my car i don't ever want to be injured and not be here However, life is so precious and it can be short, you know. I'm not going to wait till I get to the end of my career to then go and do some of these fun things. You've got to strike a good balance in life where, you, where you're able to enjoy yourself. And these are things that I, that I, that I enjoy. And what is it so that you love so much? I don't so deprive much? myself of What is things. it that you love so much about extreme sports? Because you do all sorts. I think it's... Uh, naturally, they're exhilarating, but I think... Like, for example, surfing. I'm not good at surfing, and I love the challenge of getting good. Like, I know if I commit time, if I did it every day, I'm inspired by people that do great with it. When I'm snowboarding, I mean, it's such a peaceful experience when you're sliding down on a, a white cloud. And then, um, you know, skydiving is it's challenging on the body. It's overcoming your fear. 
And, you know, many a time I've gone up on the plane and I've been so nervous. Like, not people normally are, you know? And I love fighting that. Like, no, that's, that's not real. Even if I'm scared of doing something, even if it's jumping off a cliff, I could be terrified of a high jump. But I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to overcome it, you know? And it's I don't want anything... Matter. Yeah, mind over matter. I don't like... I don't like fear ever trying to ever, um, get in the way of me doing things. You, That's you, a great attitude. You mentioned the word inspiring then. Uh, sorry to end on a slightly serious note, but you have paved the way in Formula One for talking up about certain issues that haven't been spoken about before. A little example, I'm a fanatic F1 fan. I'm a sports broadcaster. I'm also gay. It was something I struggled with when I was a kid about coming out in the world of sports. Sure, yeah. You went to Hungary in 2021 when that was going through some tricky stuff with LGBT stuff yep. and, and spoke up for LGBT rights. I wanted to say to you, thank you. Oh, thank You're, you. It means the world. It makes such that. a difference. What inspired you to want to do that? Because certainly not all elite level sportsmen like yourself do that. Well, thank you. And um, personally, I commend you also just because it's a, it's a challenging journey, right? Yeah. I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's having, I think we, I always say that I feel that we need more empathy and compassion in the world. There are so many people out there that, that we're all human beings and there are all these things that, are, that people are finding challenging within different countries, through governments, people with opinions, social media, all these different things. And we have this platform and I just feel a huge responsibility. Like I'm not just a Formula One driver and I can just you know, have success and just go about my life. This is a platform to really um, spark change, spark conversation which is, I think, the, f the beginning of those things, right? Sparking those uncomfortable conversations and then holding people accountable who are, have been happy with um, status quo in the past, which has held people down, which has um, made people un not included. And I, that frustrates me. And, yeah. and it goes into that kind of fear thing. We can make change, and I want to be a part of helping that and, and making people feel more included. Um, our uh, motorsport, for example, shouldn't or any sport or business shouldn't be able to continue with not being diverse. When have you ever seen someone working in our, in our industry with disabilities? Now, there's so many different things that we need to challenge and fix. And also we're going to a lot of countries where they don't have, they have these challenging human rights issues where humans just are not treated as human beings. And in the past, people just acknowledge, just brush by it and it's not important. It is so important that someone speaks out on it and I don't care if I don't win another race. I'm going to speak on those things and whether people like it or not. <laughs> on behalf um, of uh, an awful lot of people, it makes an awful lot of difference. Thank you. You are thanks, uh, an inspiration on and off track. You really I appreciate are. that. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much for My joining pleasure. us on The Fast and the Curious. Do you like our name? Yes. Love Your it. Fast We're Curious. I love this. I love <laughs> it. So Lewis Hamilton's just gone off to do other bits of media. He's talking to Sky. But I just want to ask you, Christian, Hugh Gill, how do you feel after that? Actually, a little bit emotional, um, more so than I thought I'd be. I think um, I didn't think I'd have the confidence to talk about my sexuality in the world of sports, and uh, to have Sir Lewis Hamilton say, "Commend you on your journey." I didn't really know what to say to that because uh, that's mad. So uh, <laughs> I can't cry on a podcast in episode two. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it does. It does make a difference, and uh, uh, you get well. Sport and politics shouldn't mix, and all that uh, crap. But uh, Lewis just summed up why it sometimes does, and it's not politics; it's people's lives, uh, and it's people being able to be who they are. And uh, as someone that, as I said then, uh, didn't come out for probably four or five years after I first sort of probably suspected I was gay and a massive part of that was because I was involved in motorsport because I was involved in football whatever to have someone like Lewis Hamilton speak up in the way he does so fearlessly like he just said then it means the world and I um you know we, ne we never know when we're going to get to speak to Sir Lewis Hamilton again so I'd, I wouldn't have forgiven myself if I didn't say something to him and um it means the absolute world that he responded the way he did. It, it like it's genuinely. I didn't expect to feel emotional after asking it. This is this is. Uh, this but has his me a little answer bit. was just so. Well, some sports people, some people in the public eye, do you know speak out about stuff 
just to do it for the sake of it almost he cares and you can kind of tell that can't you yeah for anyone who doesn't doubt it's very easy for people to look at it and go well it's just sport it doesn't make a difference well it it does um and i and i hope you know if there are women engineers who want to get into f1 women drivers disabled people gay people whatever black people white people you can do whatever you, you want. do whatever the hell you can be whoever the hell you want to be and it's people like sir lewis hamilton who will make people realize that and um if i'd had realized that sort of 15 years ago that i you can be gay and be a sports journalist i might have saved some money on therapy but um <laughs> it's uh, it, you can and uh, <laughs> and him speaking up means the world so uh what a legend yeah what a legend and, what a legend might go and get a cup of tea now well done pal proud of you oh well, thanks mate 
work with them on that? I think that any com very competitive sport does that. Um, children um, mature and grow up much faster from a certain point because obviously you lack maybe other social interactions that you would have if you are just a regular kid in school. But I've had the same feeling. You know, when I sit down with George, for example, it doesn't seem to me that he's in his early early 20s. Um, it, it's, I have a, a discussion with me, him eye to eye. I can learn and I'm interested to learn. Much They, they also talk much more grown up. They really yeah, do. They yeah. do. That's why they're not fun. <laughs> ours are f actually, ours are more fun than the other ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, but on that, so it, there's a weird conflict then because you know the dangers of the sport and you know what it does to certain people's brains and and their lives, but you love it so much. Clearly, what keeps bringing you back to the sport? What is it that that you still love about it? It's so brutally honest. The stopwatch never lies. You know, you can make up stories in, in politics or you can create a narrative around any other business, why you have done well or why you haven't. Here, it's almost obsolete to even do a press conference because the stopwatch is going to tell you whether you've been good enough or not. The honesty is such a factor, isn't it? Because, you know, last year Mercedes were in a position that you've not, you guys have not been in for a long, long time. And you do sometimes get in football. Better, you'll have interviewed football managers and their team have played badly and it's not gone to plan and there are mistakes and there are excuses and there are blaming referees and you don't get that brutal level of honesty everywhere in sports. I think the best ones and best coaches uh, or trainers will, will be like that and maybe they don't, sh you know, maybe it's not always so evident but I only know one and he's very successful and that's Pep Guardiola um, and I, I really admire him and as a professional and I like him as a as a friend and he's never gonna find any excuses uh, are you so, friends with him yeah are you so we we just got to know each other a short while ago but we were in a in a Puma event together and it's just clicked immediately you know you have that and when I heard him talking it was like I heard myself talking and um, and same wavelength, same same management principles. You have these encounters sometimes in life where just where you just have to fit. The way this podcast is going to work is is Greg is almost our team principal, right? So Greg <laughs> is sort of you, uh, and me and Betty are almost kind of like Lewis and George. Um, what advice would you give to Greg as the team principal, sort of managing us going forwards? Mm. And we're tricky. Do you think they're fun? More fun than your drivers? About the same. <laughs> <laughs> Take I'll tell I'll you, we all day are long. very fun. Yeah, what, what, are, what are the tips? How do you, uh, how do you make it as a, as embrace, a team principal? Embrace the complexity. Try to understand what drives them. Well, I know what drives you, Christian. <laughs> Literally Formula One. I have very little one, personality yeah. outside being a Formula One fan. It's, it's but that's good. Like You're like me. We are one-trick ponies. Yes, exactly. You know, Just yeah. be good at the single thing that interests you and oh. try to be the best. And I'm good at almost nothing else, really. Honestly, a terrible sportsman. <laughs> very clumsy. Welcome to my world oh it's lovely to be here too, <laughs> yeah. it really is you know give me a ball and uh, whether in on the feet or in the hand and you will see the worst <laughs> that you can probably pro possibly imagine well, Pep Guardiola can help you with that he'll teach you how to <laughs> kick a football I don't think anybody can teach me how to kick a football <laughs> uh, over the winter you've got these guys back under your control now with Lewis and George but we were talking to Lewis earlier and he was talking to us about his his love of life and skydiving and, and going extreme sports. sports, going across Antarctica with penguins. Are you sitting at home watching him and seeing him on Instagram trekking with penguins and skydiving, going like a like a parent on a school trip, going, "Please be careful, Lewis. Come back in one piece, not don't you?" Not another aeroplane, yes. Lewis. <laughs> I'm actually not afraid, because you know you and I are sport, sportively incompetent. You remember you had these kids in school that just could do everything and were yes. good at it. Oh, always that is Lewis Hamilton I think whatever you give him whether it's a snowboard or a tennis ball or um, a penguin uh, he's going to be good at it <laughs> penguin he's going to be good at it and um, and that's why I'm never worried because people who, who met him uh, professional sports people say instantly you, you, you recognise the ability that he has in, in feeling his body and how to, how to move look so Lewis has been gallivanting around the world for the last two months having that break have you had a break do you get a break as team principal? I have breaks all the time because I love what I do. I haven't, you know, I don't I enjoy what I'm doing. I even enjoy talking to you uh, today. Uh, <laughs> even. Told you even. it was fun. No, you know, I'm, 
I'm not a native, so it's you don't even take every word how it's being said. Uh, no, I yeah. Sometimes you have to decompress. I I, I like it. We've, I've been on the road the last three days between uh, Phoenix, Los Angeles, New York, and then arrived back in the night here for our sleep, and I enjoy it. We're about to speak to George Russell. You've had him. Uh, well, under your wing at Mercedes for many years, but driving for the first team, if you like, for the first time last year. What should we say to George Russell? We know it's his birthday. What advice would you give us in terms of having a chat to George Russell? What makes George Russell tick from you getting to know him so well over the last year and previously? He's he's a uh, very intelligent, yet driven young man, and you can see that. Uh, I, he has actually quite a dry sense of humour. We were kind of furious when we got here because we'd stopped off and bought him a cake. Mm-hmm. So he bought him a Colin the Caterpillar cake. Okay. And then we came into the lunch hall, and I think some of your team had bought him a, a Colin the Caterpillar cake that was double the size of this. Really? Okay. <laughs> we were quite cross because we thought we'd done something really funny here by buying him a Colin the Caterpillar cake, and you guys have, typical Mercedes, done it bigger and better. <laughs> of course they have. <laughs> also, he's not eating that. Is he allowed a slice of cake, boss? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has those things sometimes, yeah. Because mm. as team principal, I don't let Christian eat too much cake before no. recording because he gets very overexcited. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but without being too brutally honest, you know, I think that George can maybe accommodate the cake better. Yeah, but no, I, yeah. I take that all day long, Toto. Yeah. Okay. But I find it a good idea. Caterpillars are not very fast, though, no? No, that's true. <laughs> it's a bit... It's an ironic gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've made our producer Jimmy laugh a lot there. It's a bit of a British thing, the Colin the Caterpillar cake. I don't know where it's come from. It's a bit of an office tradition of a slightly rubbish-looking cake. But so. it is the best birthday cake that you can get in the UK, I think. Well, no, it Do is. you like well, it? Well, it expensive that says so. a lot about cake quality in the UK. <laughs> if that is the best you can, you can get. There's one more thing, Toto. When we were brainstorming ideas for the podcast... Oh, God. One of the features we came up with was going to be called what's the time toto wolf do you get what he means but no no right what does it okay mean? okay well can i just ask the question then what's the time toto wolf it's four i think thank you are we going to explain <laughs> this to poor toto now yeah there's a there's what is it a school thing it's like a nursery rhyme, nursery so rhyme. um what's the time mr wolf okay and then the, the wolf turns around and goes it's dinner time and then chases the kids. It's a very famous thing. Okay. I find it very funny. <laughs> <laughs> We're wasting your time now. No, no. Please. I need to look it up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for joining us. It was good fun. Thanks. Thank you. So now we're outside the garage and we're about to meet another driver. Yeah, we're about to meet George Russell. He's about to walk out of that garage kind of over there. Christian, for those that don't know, tell us about George Russell. He's been someone that's been getting motorsport geeks like myself excited for a very long time now. He did extremely well in the Formula One Junior Series, Formula Two. He's been backed by Mercedes since he was uh, a very young kid. So he's been part of the Mercedes family for a long time. But he was sort of sent out for football fans amongst us. He was kind of sent out on loan, if you like, to the Williams team uh, for the first three years of his F1 career. He had to deal with a lot at Williams. They were a team who really weren't competitive at the time. He struggled to score points because the car wasn't where Williams would have liked it to be. Uh, He had to really be patient for his chance. And then last year, he got to replace Valtteri Bottas as Sir Lewis Hamilton's teammate. And he finally gets his chance to, well, he expected to go into Mercedes and fight for wins and fight for world championships. He wasn't quite up to that level, not through any fault of his own. It's because Mercedes weren't where they wanted to be. They weren't fighting for world titles, but he did get that first win in Brazil. Uh, and this year, he will hope Mercedes can give him a car to fight for the championship. It's quite a lot of pressure, that, isn't it? It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. But these kids have been dealing with pressure since they were eight years of age in karting. Motorsport is the most pressurised environment and uh, they're used to it. And George looks always Mr. Cool, Mr. Calm, Mr. Composed. He soaks up pressure. So uh, he can deal with it. He's going to strut out of, of that garage in a minute and we'll speak to him. Thanks for your time, George. Thank you, thank you. I'm very curious. Well, you're curious, curious. No, you're curious George. Yes. Curious yeah. George. <laughs> George. Fast and curious George. How are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. Glad to be here. It's always kind of an exciting part of the year. It's like first time you get to drive the car, see all of that work that the team's put into it and see, uh, see what it's all about. 
You look quite tanned. How was your uh, summer, <laughs> how was your winter? It wasn't from the UK. That I can confirm. Uh, yeah, I gather. No, it was. Um, no, it was really good. It's the season's so intense. It's kind of quite important to make sure you have a a good break. And to be honest, I feel in a good place. Like I feel like I've spent the necessary time off not too much because after so many days I get a bit bored and then sort of a necessary time with the team working on little things we can improve and um, lining ourselves up for for what's to come. What have you been doing with your time off? Um, well the main one is just spending it with family and friends really. Um, I don't get to see them that often. We all went to Sweden together to do some ice driving which was a oh, lot I of fun. I this. This looked amazing. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So uh, my sister, my dad, my mum, my girlfriend driving. On your holiday, you insist that the entire family drives with you. Yeah. Should they not just roll their eyes and go, George, please? <laughs> no, do you know what was what was quite nice? So my, my father's always been quite hard on me throughout my whole career since I've been eight years old and through the ranks he was my mechanic or you know engineer as such and then when I got a bit older and joined Mercedes even when I raced you know Formula 3 Formula 2 and even F1 you know he's always pushing me and not necessarily critical whenever things go go wrong but would always share his views so then when we're driving with one another and he's finding it very very challenging by the end of you know the three days there he was like you know what, I was like really impressed with how you drove and stuff. So for me, that was really nice because he's never, he's never actually sat in the driver's seat. And, and he was actually slower than my sister, so that was quite, quite funny as well. So like, yes. <laughs> I bet you loved that because uh, I used to race carts when I was a yeah. kid and my dad absolutely loved picking me up on going, you weren't close enough to the apex in turn three. You weren't. You, you try it. <laughs> exactly. I bet you loved it. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, no, but it, it was a good sort of, family bonding experience oh sweet so i was gonna say do you do like some of the extremes because obviously we spoke to lewis earlier and he does all sorts jumping out of planes i didn't go to running antarctica with penguins, <laughs> yeah. running with penguins yeah. do you do extreme sport obviously driving on ice is pretty extreme, um not not to the same degree for sure not i think um i mean i admire I admire him for for that because i think he's at such a good stage in his life where he's he's happy to go outside of his comfort zone and, and do these things i guess i'm still finding the ropes let's say and kind of what it takes to be uh, an f1 driver at the very top of your game but even you know this is my fifth year now i kind of understand the the work you need to put in with your engineers the work you need to put in in the gym but then equally you know the time you need to have for yourself speaking of um mr lewis hamilton uh, we've been fortunate enough to have a chat before and i remember talking to you a lot about when it had been announced like what do you think it's gonna be like being lewis hamilton's teammate so a year in what was it like being Lewis Hamilton's teammate? Yeah, it was right. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Honest. Um, I think you get to a certain point in your life, and well, especially when you're in this this circus, you recognise that these, let's say, superheroes are just normal people. Yeah. Obviously, incredibly talented at what they do, but Lewis, to me, is just another driver who's a, another teammate, and we've got a good relationship together. So we're pushing one another on the track and I get asked so often, you know, is your relationship going to stay the same and whatever. But I think we're at different stages of our career. There's no sort of ego towards one another and there's no reason why that would ever, um, yeah, go go downwards. So yeah, we're in a good place. We've chatted to some uh, really fantastic drivers. I was fascinated to learn that they hadn't met everybody on the grid. Have they not? Wow, it's just, okay. Right, yeah. you're surprised. Yeah. It's just something that, as, a, as an F1 fan, but not an F1 fanatic like Christian over here, <laughs> you go, well, of course all the drivers know each other. Yeah. Of course they all hang out and there's a WhatsApp group, you know, the grid gang yeah. or something. There is a WhatsApp group. It's not called the grid gang, but <gasps> there, is, there? there is a WhatsApp group. What's yeah. it called? Uh, I'm not actually... I think it's something quite boring, like F1 driver group chat or something oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There is a, there's a WhatsApp group with all the drivers in it yeah there's a WhatsApp group I mean I to, think I ever knew this I mean it's not like we're sending banter in there day after day but there Meme, is memes of each other I mean there is there are occasions where something may have happened on track and suddenly people are sending memes in and whatever and it gets a bit out of control um, but so if someone falls out of Formula 1 and they lose their seat. Yeah, they get removed. Right. It is pretty ruthless, to be honest. Who's the, who's the moderator of the group? Like I who? think... So it's... So we've got um, something called the GPDA, which is the Grand Prix Drivers Association. And there's two people. Yeah. Alex Verts and Anastasia Fowl, who's our, uh, our lawyer. 
So it's kind of, it was set up this WhatsApp group whenever there was a bit of a, an issue on track or whatever to give us all something to talk about. So it wasn't generally set up for the bands. But anyway, oh, right. it's actually Alex Verts who... <laughs> uh, Alex Verts is an ex-Formula 1 he's driver. He's an ex-F1 yeah. driver. And kicks people out. So he, yeah, I mean... It was a surprisingly short period of time after they left F1 where he booted someone out before. So I was, I was like, God, he's, he's, this guy's having a tough time. He's just been lost his drive. And it's like, you're out. You're brutal. out. Brutal yeah. sport. Toto said to us, Formula 1's a brutal sport. It is, yeah. yeah. And I think the worst thing was he actually added the replacement driver before he kicked out the other one. So it was like, oh, added, <laughs> added the new one so the person could see the new person and then the old one. It was like you are now removed. Oh, no, so, that is not yeah, it's ruthless. It's a it's a cutthroat sport. This one. Yeah, it is tricky old industry, isn't it? it so really yeah, is. so you you've clearly you know everybody on the grid with you. You've met everybody, or maybe uh, not. I, I, guess. I guess so. Yeah, no the newbies. I yeah yeah newbies. Yeah, I've met them. I've met yeah. them. Okay. I was actually Logan's driver coach when he was younger. When he raced in Formula Four. Amazing. Yeah, wow. taught him a few tricks, not everything, obviously. I kept some in, in the pocket. <laughs> Does that make you feel a little bit old that you're now getting your, uh, your coaching him and now he's here? Because you're not old. What, you're uh, four, four years older than him? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I guess so. Uh, no, I don't know. It's, it's quite a unique weird dynamic I mean it scares me how quick time goes yeah, that's, what it, that's what it does because it feels like yesterday when I got into Formula 1 it feels like yesterday I was here for the car launch of W13 yeah. and it's just things are flying and I can't believe this is now my fifth year coming into my fifth year of F1 how we got here sort of so quick and yeah. how has it already been five six years well, it feels like that for me watching at home from the telly <laughs> let alone you doing it and travelling all over the world well, I mean I, I still remember when I was stood just over there on the edge of Turn 1 in 2009, watching the race start with uh, Seb Vettel leading the race. And I remember that, like yesterday, I had a you know, foghorn in my, in my hand. And, <laughs> uh, and I even had a photo of this recently. And you know, here I am, you know, standing on the track. On the subject of age, I can't believe we've not said. No. Happy I've... birthday! I've even forgot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't. You like it, Colin? Um, yeah, why not? I mean, I actually got brownies. As you may know, there's quite a few people within the team of Mercedes. So mm. big team. It was an order of three thousand brownies. So there are some <laughs> some leftovers. So if you want one of one of the brownies. I'll just put uh, the cake down there then. It, it's it is over there. So do you want the Colin the Caterpillar cake or not? I mean I I feel it can't go to waste, can it? No. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll have a, a sliver later. You can go put that in your trailer. Around yeah, We've yeah, seen absolutely. that you've got a massive trailer over there, so that, that should yep. fit in. I'll put it put it on the table. Spe- speaking of momentous occasions, let's talk about your first Formula One win. Even as I'm saying that, your eyes have turned into a beaming smile. What did it feel like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those moments you, you dream of when you're, you're a young kid, and even when you're in Formula One, you kind of go into every race weekend... Uh, dreaming and and believing even when I was at the back of a grid with Williams in those really challenging years you just you go into every weekend think this could be our weekend something might happen and we might just have a chance Um, but what was the best feeling for me uh, winning that race was seeing how much it meant to everybody seeing how much it meant to my family because they were the first on the phone and they were the first people I spoke to I FaceTimed them before I actually went on the on the podium um, so straight out of the car, upstairs before the podium, I was on FaceTime with all the family on through our group chat, and then just seeing what it meant to the engineers and the mechanics and uh, the people in the marketing department, the hospitality um, members. You know, people were in tears with that victory, and knowing that I played a role in this was such a, a special, special feeling. And for me, that sort of shows or for me it's kind of like this is what this sport's about and this is what life is about it's um it's not about these occasions that are self-success it's about what it means to everybody who's contributed and to the people who support you that far outweighed everything else i felt uh from winning that race so yeah trying to do it again i reckon you want to do it again yeah absolutely (laughs) We did say that we want to make you feel relaxed on this podcast and, you know, it's not one of those where we're going to be asking horrible questions. I, I might have won. Right? All right, here we go. I follow a lot of Formula One fans. There were one thing that comes up more than anything on my Twitter feed, Instagram feed about George Russell. It's your 
fairly high frequency of social media pictures without a t-shirt on. <laughs> I've never heard you be asked about this specifically. So, is this a fair representation of you? Is this a is purposeful, purposeful tactic, or are you being unfairly represented? I here? think I'm really being unfairly represented because this all this all came about from Alex Albon. The end of 2019, we did this a rookie of the year presentation, bit of a a joke thing with Formula One, and he made a big reference to this because there was one photo in the year that I posted without. A top one, just the one. It was, I think, that year it was just the one. But he made reference to that one. Yes, he did. And then it kind of blew it a bit out of proportion. So and I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with it and just, and just go with it. So now, I think, I mean, don't tell him. But I think my teammate probably posts a few more topless photos than I do. So uh, he, does a he, he does quite a few. He does quite a few. It's uh, a body off, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, we're trying to show who's got the biggest the guns. That's the real competition. Yeah, exactly. Is it, not it, on the track. It's it not for. It's not actually for social media. It's just for, for the other person to. It's <laughs> a night of the realm. Do yeah. it right. Do it exactly. A naked night. <laughs> absolutely. Naked night. Absolutely. George, have an amazing season. Thanks good so luck much. in beating him in terms of the body off, but also good luck uh, out there on the circuit. We're all, all itching to see you win more races. Itching to see you fighting for the world championship. Appreciate have it. the best time. Thank you very much. And we'd Cheers love guys. to catch up with you again. Absolutely. Let's see you again. Nice. Thank you. Cheers. So, episode two of The Fast and the Curious, done. Enjoy it, Betty? Oh, Highlight? Oh, Greg, it was, it was actually better than maybe the first episode. Can I say that? Yes, can you I can. I feel we should like get better was... every week. <laughs> yeah, well, that is, our, that is our tactic. Oh, it was unbelievable. And, and talking to Sir Lewis Hamilton, and <laughs> Lewis said to me at one point, congratulations on the journey you've been on. And I nearly died. I didn't know what to say. So, um, yeah, an unreal chance to talk to some amazing, lovely people and uh, wonderful Formula One drivers. Loved every second of it. We've got Oscar Piastri joining us in episode three. And we're very excited to speak to you then. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Food Network Obsessed is your podcast for all things Food Network. I'm Jamie Sire, and I talk with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network personalities. They tell me all about how they started their careers, who and what they've been influenced by, and what it's like to cook in a Food Network studio. You'll hear from stars like Alex Gornishelli, Guy Fieri, and Bobby Flay. Listen to Food Network Obsessed wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.